But when it's fast, it's hard to register because it's so fast. And so you're there and then you're just, you're just uh, catapulted into another reality. And so when that happened and I was, uh, you know, in this blackness, I was confused and there was no sound, there was no smells, there was no stimuli, which think about it, it's really confusing because you can't go through life without some kind of stimuli or some kind of reaction. And this was nothingness. Then I saw a little pin light. And then as it got closer, I saw that it was Jesus. Tamara Caldra Richardson, welcome to Passion Harvest. I am so excited to have you on the show today. Me as well. I have really been looking forward to it and you are quite a lovely person and I, I can't wait to spend this time with you. Oh, so are you and I'm coming on your show soon, which will be exciting. Yes. I'll advertise that when it comes up. We have yeah. so much to cover today. My gosh, what a world of information. I'd love to start. You've had six near-death experiences. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to pass it over to you. <laughs> okay. Six near-death experiences. Well, um, I'll go through them and the cool stuff that's in each one. I think that is really relevant that I'll, that I'll mention. And then I'll talk about the after effects too, because I think that's something that's so important that people don't talk about. Um, I've always been, first of all, I'm so grateful to be here and grateful to anyone that's listening to this and hopefully they'll get something out of it. When I was, um, before I was born, uh, and my mother was pregnant. My mother, uh, one of my first ones, and people don't realize it, is a prenatal near-death experience, which my, uh, which is in the book Forever Angels, PMH Atwater. Anyhow, uh, she was losing blood. She was losing me, and I saw uh, above, um, you know, her and crying, and and then my my aunt that was in the bathroom that was trying to help her and she was upset and I really felt just concerned for her but I do remember being a spirit person looking out because I wasn't you know born yet and so I'm looking out the window and I remember all these memories and so that was really my first one I didn't realize it was one till much later on but I have detailed memory that and emotion behind it but, but the first one that um, I can recall, and it was three years old, and that's really what opened the window up for me as far as um, spirit people, the other side and all of that. And it's just never closed. There's just layers of an onion that it has been coming off with each time. And, you know, I do want to point out, you don't have to have a near-death experience to go on a spiritual journey or for your spirituality to evolve. You can just decide you want to, you know, you know, ask God, you want to um, seek what's out there beyond this world, um, but to do it in a safe, loving way, and the experiences will present themselves. But when I was three years old, I was playing with a cousin of mine in a very um, old Victorian looking antebellum, because I'm from the South, as you might could tell, and it was an old it was an old, um, house and it, it was nice though. The, the, it was my, my uncle, he married this lady. So we're at the mother-in-law and they had, they, they, they were well off. They had money. So it was a nice place, but we we're playing hide and seek. And we're, uh, I ran upstairs and I'm trying to find a place to hide. And there was a dresser there and the dresser for some reason had a nail nailed to it on the other side. So when I'm jumping, 
uh, without knowing it, because who would have thought a dresser would have been had a nail hanging down? It pierced through my skull. So when it did, I thought it was water, like a water glass fell, but it was blood. And the minute that I touched it, I was on the floor. Uh, I was above my body. I mean, all the things that you would think that someone would say, but it's true. I was above my body. Uh, and I think the the reason for that now, looking back on that is I, I just didn't want to experience the pain because it was painful. And so um, I could hear the commotion. I could see it unfolding that my cousin came up there, went and got the adults and they're kind of panicking what to do. And then eventually my grandmother um, came over to, uh, and my granddaddy to take me to the internist. And so, uh, and back in the day, that's when they, they, she knew people really well in town. So they just kind of got me in through the back door and he looked at me, but, uh, what happened during that process is I could see outside of the home in the home. I could hear everyone's conversation at one time. I, uh, what saw an angelic being about, it was big, um, eight to 10 foot. I mean, it was huge. It was quite big. It could have been smaller than that. Cause I'm small. It could have been no less than seven feet. Uh, and it was over my head and it had glowy, uh, it was glowy everywhere, but I knew, I knew it was an angel. Now I, I, my grandmother, um, you know, at this point I'm very young, so I don't know a lot about religion or anything, but, um, I knew it to be an angel. And so the, the, I believe it was healing my head. And then I went back in my body and it was felt like an automatic thing. And it was extremely painful, um, <laughs> I did. So I popped back out and looked around and kind of waited for things to happen. And eventually went back into the body. And again, they had to watch me, uh, overnight, not at the hospital. They just, this is back in the day, <laughs> you know, they, that didn't happen. So they just watched me overnight. My, my grandmother was watching me closely when my mom was a young mom. So my grandmother was very hands-on and, uh, what happened is that I had a hole in, I had a hole literally because it went through my skull. So it was a soft spot on my head for two years. And so that opened me right up to see, <laughs> I always saw spirit people afterwards. And the problem with that is that they would try to talk to me to, to, I, now I know trying to get my help, but they were the lower level lost souls as we might call it, or the ghosts. And I felt sorry for them, but I couldn't help them. I mean, I was just a kid. And so I didn't have anyone to talk to about all of this. And then when I was four years old, my mom was seeing this guy. So we, at the time, lived in Hickory, North Carolina, which is in the USA. And it's in the foothills of the mountains. It's pretty. And most of my family migrated from uh, Sweden and Germany. So it kind of looks like that. It's really pretty. And... Uh, so that particular, um, day, um, my, um, my mom wanted to go on a date with this guy she was smitten with and my grandmother did not want her to go and that it was, uh, it was a bad day. It was snowing it was icing over. It really wasn't a day you'd go out, but my mom's very hard headed. And so she wanted me to meet him. And in, the, in a small town, 
This guy was from out of town. He dressed really snappy, the latest fashions, nice looking. She was just had her mindset on this man. <laughs> and so I went to, with her to meet him and he picked us up. And then we went out to go eat. Um, I think it was, we went to the pizza hut and then had a, a pizza, a strange of all things. And then we went and had ice cream. And after that, uh, we, after the ice cream, um, we, uh, went to his D his DJ, he was a DJ. So we went to his, uh, radio station, which called channel one. And so we went there and they got into a, a conversation. I was in a room. He said, pick out any kind of, you know, LPs I wanted. I remember I picked out a nun song, the Lord's prayer. <laughs> and I used to play that all the time as a kid. And now I know it's great protection for anything. <laughs> it's a great call to action. So, uh, and, and I got the monkeys and also a Motown hit, but that's just a little thing on the side, but I could have had every, anything I wanted, but that's all I wanted. And so they're talking in about an hour, an hour, 15 minutes or so they come out, they're arguing. She wants to get married. He wants to wait till it's the right time, more money, what have you. So we get in the car and he storms out of there and there's no one hardly in the roads and he puts in the brakes and we turn around in a circle and we hit a tree. I go through, this is pre-car seat day. So I'm in the front seat with no car seat. I go, there is a, is an old Pontiac and a gold Pontiac. And I go up through the windshield. And soon as the impact hit, um, I don't, I did not feel the pain. And I can tell you from doing a lot of um, evidential medium readings that in the moment of impact, they do not feel the pain. So people just go, do they feel it? And I'm like, no, they're gone. <laughs> the God's really good like that. Um, and so the minute of the impact, um, I was out of my body, but the confusion was it was all black and I couldn't find my hands or feet. So I was confused because it was so quick. I mean, it was just, it's, it's kind of amazing that God is so perfect that he, our time of passing, whether it's, you know, through slow illness or impact, I mean, let's think about it. You can either go fast or quick, right? You want to simplify things. There's a lot of way to go. It's either fast or quick, but when it's fast, it's hard to register because it's so fast. And so you're there and then you're just, you're just, uh, catapulted into another reality. And so when that happened and I was, uh, you know, in this blackness, I was confused and there was no sound, there was no smells, there was no stimuli, which think about it, it's really confusing because you can't go through life without some kind of stimuli or some kind of reaction. And this was nothingness. Then I saw a little pin light. And then as it got closer, I saw that it was Jesus and he had some people behind him. Even though I had never met them, I knew intuitively they were my relatives. And so uh, he's coming toward me and it was like, it was just almost like a movie track where he's on a track coming toward me and his hair is, is blowing and his hands are reached out to, to, toward me. And you think, well, that might sound odd. Well, it was odd. I was in a black space. I was really happy to see him. <laughs> so uh, I was really glad. And he it was interesting. It was very personal because, um, it was just a few months before I was playing with, I thought was a ball and I was looking at it 
was outside and I threw it to balance it because I didn't understand it wasn't a ball. It was a, it was a bird's egg. So when I found out there was a living bird in it, I like suffered over that. I cried and I cried and I suffered. And so one of the first things that the, that these relatives that I didn't know said is that we have your bird. It's okay. And I was like, that just made me so happy. Uh, but he told me that I had to go back. And I said, and then I thought about it. I thought, I don't know if I want to now. And then he's like, no, well, you have to. And then um, I was back and my nose was shattered um, in several places. It was really messed up. I was bleeding. They did not take me to a hospital. <laughs> they did not. Um, and they brought me back to that radio station. And even the maid that was working there, because it was kind of an off day, she's like, I'll take her. And they're like, no. So from that moment on, because my mom was a single mom at that point, she was married, were young, quickly, then divorced, lived with my grandparents. And so she wanted to move back in with him and he didn't have money. So I didn't like that. <laughs> lived in a trailer, which what is it? England called a caravan. I did not like that. And so, um, that was, uh, later years later, I've had like three surgeries to remove cartilage from my nose because it was shattered. And I'd have these sinus problems and they said, we keep finding cartilage, broken cartilage in there. So it's a wonder, you know, I just feel really grateful that it could have been so much worse. It could have shattered my face. I mean, I was such, I had a, such a little body and I'm just really grateful for that. Um, the next one was, uh, so each time this happened, I can see with more clarity and hear with more clarity spirit people. Now, now at this point, I can hear whole conversations. I still do. I hear whole conversations. I have to tell them to stop. Usually before I have a reading session, they'll come. To, I don't know why, but they come to me in the bathroom. And I'm like, it's, uh, your grandmother, she's talking about the flowers and this kind of flower. They're like, yeah. I'm like, she just, I just went to the bathroom. She was, telling, I don't know why they tell me things in the bathroom, but I can hear whole conversations. It's because the veil had been weakened. And, and I think the purpose of my life path uh, for this happening is because I needed to see there was more to this world than what it appears to be. I needed to see that. And I needed to have that connection with the divine and God and angels and Jesus and all of that. And, um, the, my, um, my next, so I had an NDE in three, four, five in a row. And then five years old, and I kept this a secret for many years. And most people with near-death experiences do to, to they get older, because it, it, it's just really hard to process. And you put it in these dark, you know, like, I don't know what it means. And then you get older, you forget about it. You go with life, you go to college, you get married, you do what people do, whatever. And then later on, it's like, remember me. And then you, you are safer to deal with it. And that's what happened to me um, at, at the time. And I knew what it was. I just couldn't do anything with it. Uh, so, I mean, I wouldn't call it NDE. We didn't have those words back then, but I knew it was very different. I knew some, it was something happened. So when I was five years old and, and it's, it's, it's kind of strange to say that it's an endearing near-death experience, but it really, it was an endearing near-death experience. It changed my life in a way that, um, I don't think I would be the same walking through life. I think I would be very disgusted with society and how cruel they are to one another. Sometimes not that I don't love people. Of course I love people, but you know, all the bad elements, it just, um, it's distasteful, you know, at times and all the arguing and all of this. 
so when I was, um, when I was five, I was at this point, my, my mother ended up marrying the guy against my grandmother and granddaddy. They did not like him. He was a player. I mean, he was known for messing around, you know, with other women. I mean, he was nice looking and he knew that and he cheated and so forth and continued to actually, she didn't know it, but she found out later, cheated all through the marriage and all that. But, um, he was sexually abusing me. And I was a really sweet, innocent little girl. I mean, you say, oh, aren't all kids? Yeah, they are. But some are like just <laughs> coming to this world, you know, mean as a hornet, you know, and then but I was sweet and I would start having these conversations with God and and also Jesus, because I remember my grandmother said that Jesus was our friend. I was like, well, I need to connect with this guy, Jesus. <laughs> If he's your friend, I need to really connect with him. So I would tell him, I said, can you just kill him? But see, I didn't understand that was a bad concept because it's a little girl. And so I, I kind of got a frown on that, a spiritual frown. And so uh, I, I was like, okay, well, you can just take me. It's okay. And I didn't know, understand sex or sexuality because I'm five years old. And so I just went, I don't know what this is, but I don't like it. And I just don't want to be here anymore. It's too hard being here. And so when you really say that and you really mean it, God listens. So we got to be very careful. And so um, I was very serious. I was very grieving. Uh, I think you can, you hear people that are ready to go and they go, that you, I think you can. And so I remember, uh, I got very sick and I remember the, the sofa we had, it's so funny what was on with TV, what time it was. I remember all the precepts at this point, we had moved from Hickory to Raleigh, North Carolina, which was uh, a bigger city. And we moved there and, uh, we were in these new apartments and I remember looking out at the pine trees. Um, I had pneumonia and they, and I remember them arguing about, he said, no, we don't have the money, but my grandparents had a lot of money. So, you know, he, they would have, they would have easily, no problem, you know, paid for it. So he was just being difficult. He wasn't a very nice person. And so, uh, she put me to bed. She tried to get me to eat. I was like, no, what was going on is my lungs were shutting down. So she put me into bed and she checked on me in an hour. I was completely drenched. So she goes, that's it. We're going to the hospital. Well, at this time, Dr. Martin Luther King you know, the civil rights, uh, you know, famous uh, person, he was assassinated. Well, he was assassinated in the South. I lived in the South of the USA. So it was riots. They had martial law. They had military. You couldn't leave. And, but I was, you know, I was dying. Uh, they didn't know that at the time. They just knew I was very ill. And so they put me in his, they had a, it's called a press car. So he had like, you know, the, the letters of the radio station on it and so forth. And, uh, we had to go through military gates and on the way there, I died. And I, I, they clocked me in when I got to the hospital being dead 15 minutes, I was still, you know, they still kept working on me, but I had already been dead 15 minutes, but I went out of my body. It was the most, I hate to make this sound great but when you have pneumonia um i don't know how let me see what i can relate it to and has anyone ever been really really sick and they just can't get up they're like i just can't move 
it's like that, but you just kind of wither away. You just kind of fade away. And it's sort of peaceful, to be honest. It's really peaceful because you're like, eh, you just kind of drift away. And so I drifted. I remember um, losing consciousness and then I just drifted and I was above the car about 200 feet. And I was looking at the, the fires and the riots from the distance in the city and so forth. And then um, we stopped at a, one of the military. Uh, I remember he had MP on. He had the army hat. And he's like, where are you going? What are you doing out? And, said, and they said, oh, you know, our daughter, which she was trying to adopt me, didn't really ask me, but was trying to adopt me. And so he said that he really wasn't my he wasn't my biological dad. Um, and, and so they said, Oh, we'll call ahead, go ahead, call it. We'll call ahead. So you can, you know, they'll look for you. We'll let you straight through. So they called, I said, do you want, you want us to call the hospital for you? I said, please. So I remember the hospital was called Rex. Cause I remember I was thinking T-Rex cause I'm a kid. And so we go there and there's 12 people that run out Two are male doctors. And the staff, and there's a big staff comes out and gets me going and they rush me in the back and I see all these lights and they hook me up to things and they start pumping this stuff out of my lungs. It's, it looks like phlegm, you know, honestly, uh, they're trying and fluid and, and that kind of grossed me out cause I'm a kid again. So I'm like, Ooh. so I leave the room in spirit. I look for a while and I leave. And I go through the hospital and kind of just look around in the hospital. There was a little girl on a candy machine that did see me in spirit form, which I thought was kind of cool. And I talked to her for a minute and then I would go in different rooms and look at people and see how they're doing and check on them. And I thought, I really enjoyed it. I thought, well, I could do this. I'm like an angel. This is great. I can check on people. Then I would go back into the room and see what they're doing. And they were saying so many CCs, code blue. And basically that went on for two hours and I was owning off a flat line for two hours straight. And then eventually, um, everybody was kind of, the women were crying in the room and one doctor said, I have a daughter her age and they rolled me out in the hall and put a sheet over me. And when I remembered that part of it, it was, I don't know, that really bothered me that cause it's kind of final. But someone saw that there was movement and my lungs were very, very shallow, but they put me in one of the, these tents, breathing tents. And that's where I stayed in a deuce coma three days. Um, but on the spiritual side of things, the really cool story is as that, that wasn't my perception of what was going on. My perception was totally different. My perception, I was checking back and forth. I was going and checking on people. One lady was given birth and she was almost dying. And I was telling her to hang in there for her child. Then there was a spirit. I think I'm like Miss Angel now. And then I go to another guy's room, his old man, and he didn't have, he didn't have much water. No one's checking on him. So I knock off the glass. So it makes a noise. So someone will go refill his glass. And uh, then I go back. And when it, when I finally, I didn't see the sheet thing till later, cause I was in this whole spiritual realm. What happened is I saw, uh, I they were, we were Protestant, but I knew they were Catholic. Okay. I knew cause they had the rosary, but they were spirit people, but there was a male and a female, a nun and a priest. And the woman said, blessed are the innocent at the time. I didn't know she was talking about me, <laughs> but she was talking about me. 
And at the time, I didn't realize it was a Catholic hospital. I didn't find that out till actually five years ago. I didn't even know. And it was the old hospital they built over at another location, but it, it was Catholic hospital. And so they really take their job seriously, even after death. And so um, next thing I know is I'm in a different dimension immediately when they're doing that. They seem very kind of sad. And I didn't understand why they're sad. And then I looked down and there was uh, a man that was holding my hand and he was on one knee. It was a right hand with the right hand and he was smiling. He had the most beautiful smile in the whole world. And it was Jesus, a hundred percent. People said, well, it could be this or that. No, I'm just telling you a hundred percent. Your soul knows it. It's just not just a visual. Your soul knows it. And oh, and I, I said, you're that man I talked to, <laughs> like he's a celebrity, which he is. And he goes, I am. And he had all this glowy light coming out of him. And his teeth were really pretty because you never see him small very much. And so his teeth were really beautiful. His eyes, to me, he was, um, his eyes were like a blue green. They were the oddest thing. So it was almost like they were shifting colors. They were like so dimensional. Uh, it, it's hard to explain, but uh, his hair was below his shoulders, a little below his shoulders, and he was lean but muscular. And uh, he he said that I had to. Uh, he said he took something off his belt first, and we were in this pasture, and to the left there were about three children that were on these. Uh, these turnaround, these merry, it's not really his merry-go-round, but where you push it, you go around in a circle. And he said, I had to go back. And I said, well, they're here. And then he smiled real big. And he said, I have something to give you. And, and I said, a toy, because I am five years old. And he goes, and he, and he thought that was funny. And I thought, oh, he thought that was funny. And, but I, I did. I said, do you have a toy? He goes, and then he took a piece of his belt off that was just a plain, simple rope belt. And then he put something in my left hand. He said, I wrap you on my love, protection, and wisdom. Much is given, much shall give. Through the small things, the big things would be done. And through the big things, the small things would be acknowledged. And then he said that I had to go back. And I, and I said, and I argued. I said, they're here, you know, that whole thing. And then he said, uh, your mother needs you. And then he showed me almost like that, the um, Jimmy Stewart uh, movie uh, or the Christmas movie where you're seeing the goat. Um, I can see what she's doing. Even though we're there, I can see, I can see at a glance. I don't know how that's possible, but I can see dimensionally. She's sitting crying. She doesn't know I'm dead. The doctor kept going out to her when I was there and said, we're trying to get her vitals, but she didn't know what that meant. And so she was, she was crying. And I said, she'll be fine. Uh, and <laughs> at this point, I really want to stay with him. And she and he goes, she'll be fine. And 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 he's like, no, you've got more love in you than she has for herself. You have to go back and show her love. I said, well, how do I do that? And he said, well, everybody does it differently. There's no right or wrong way of showing love. You have to figure that out yourself. He said, this is something I know a little bit about. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I remember he said that. And, and so I said, I, I don't know. He says, okay, you stay for a little bit. He said, walk with me. So as we started walking, he had the most 
he had the prettiest feet too. Cause you know, a lot of men, their feet don't look that great. <laughs> I mean, they're okay, but you know, his look like he went to the salon. I mean, they were like so pretty. And as he's walking, the grass curled around his feet and, um, it's like every blade of grass and everything and the clouds were following him. And then when he, uh, you know, he was talking and I was observing that everything, it was almost like it had a whisper, like a soft whisper, like in worship to him. It wasn't creepy. It was beautiful. It was like harmonic. Everything had a harmonic frequency. And I was observing this harmonic vibration there. It was just tantalizing. It was just alive. And then he said, let's go over here and sit. You can ask me what you want. He was very gentle about things. And we sat there on this rock and he said, we'll sit here. And this rock was, it was a big rock in front of um, this tree. He, he pretty much so sat there because it was taller than me. And I kind of sat kind of leaned next to his leg and kind of looked up at him. And I, he said, I could ask him anything. And I asked him things like electricity, but then he would tell me, through telepathy mind to mind very quickly. So I was very kind of bored with things like, okay. And then he would, uh, then he started teaching me and he said, I want to talk about how we create things here. He used more simple words than we would as an adult. And he said that we create, uh, here I said, and in heaven, he said, we create here instantly. And he said, but we're back on, earth, he said that it takes longer. So you need to be very mindful of the words that you use because your words are coming through manifesting the reality that you want or the things that you want. It'll show up in things. And, and I said, so I went back to what he said, this it's, you could do things really quick here. And he goes, yes. But to me, it felt just like being in a body on earth, although it didn't, it wasn't the same substrate, even though we, I look the same, it looked like grass. It looked more high vibration, but I wouldn't say it was made out of the same thing. But, you know, you think about uh, the Lord's prayer on heaven and earth. Well, of course, earth is going to look like heaven and heaven's going to look like earth, except heaven doesn't have any garbage. Um, that'd be a great name of a book. Heaven doesn't have any garbage. <laughs> it's a, but it doesn't. Everything is beautiful. Every, nothing rots. Everything stays young and beautiful. And so um, he... Um, he, he said that, uh, well, if you, you could try it if you want to. So I visualized us being in a little boat and he was on one end. I was on the other. We were in the, this little river and these fish came up to him about three of them. He picked one up, he picked one up and he talked to it and said, Hey, put it back down. He said, that's how we fish here. And, he, and then he kind of winked at me and I was like, Oh, that's kind of neat. And, and it, it does come through like, you know, in my readings, they'll say, Oh yeah, we're, um, you know, on the Alps, um, climbing and doing whatever they have replicas there <laughs> can't really get hurt. And so, um, I thought that was fascinating. So he said that be very mindful of what you say, cause you're creating us. You want to create good things. And then he told me that I had to go back. I did argue. And so when I went back, I did go back to the hospital, but I wouldn't go in my body cause I'm hard headed. <laughs> so I kept going around and playing angels some more. And then there was a doctor that came up and he had a bald head and a little bow tie he, and he looked like a little scientist. He had little round glasses 
and he said, uh, little girl, you need to go back. I remember his name was Dr. Tippin. He, and he was a spirit doctor, spirit doctor still at the hospital. I guess he was, he felt like the administrator, like a, an important person at one time. And he said, you have to go back in your body. I'm like, no, not going to do it. It's going to hurt. And so <laughs> Jesus showed up in the hospital and he said, you have to go back now. I said, no, it's going to hurt. He said, I've made it okay for you. And then as soon as he touched me, I, I woke up in this tent and saw my, you know, my mom and my grandparents. And then, uh, my stepdad was sitting in the chair over there, uh, over to the side. And so, um, I, I, my mom never told me any of this. And I told this to her, I kind of came out, <laughs> told her maybe five years ago. And she's like, how do you know this? Cause they didn't want me to ever know. So, um, that I never broke the link with Jesus. Um, he is my best friend and he's my teacher. He's my redeemer. He, I go to him for everything I've done through him, uh, giving, prophetic messages to he's done uh he's doing it i'm just sort of helping out a little bit but he's done a lot of deliverances with people a lot of illnesses i've seen now being walking in front of people sometimes they'll just start the demonically they'll just come out and start they'll it'll manifest with me now because they know i walk with him nothing i'm perfect i'm not but they'll walk they'll it'll just come out I've had that happen. Um, I even had someone on my show before that happened. We're, we're friends now. We're good friends. But um, but these things could come up through family lines. They can come up with them, something we did in the past, like Ouija. And he cleanses people and he makes them whole. It's kind of a miracle because like it's how do you do that? You know, it's, it's just amazing. But uh, he's very much so alive. He's multidimensional. And I have a tremendous amount of deep love for him. Uh, so that never went away. And I, I didn't realize I have journals that I found. <laughs> They're like 39 years old of journals that I, at the time I didn't call it channeling him because I didn't know what that word was. I just, you know, would write down feelings I had about Jesus, but he was giving me messages. He also gives it to me. I hear him all the time. I can hear him. And he's really funny. He's got, a, Jesus has a great sense of humor. Uh, he's really kind, but he's really funny. He's very witty. And you have to think about it. Back in the day, he talked to all kinds of people, even some really base characters. And he had to be able to be charming and to, to be able to communicate with a lot of people. And I think people leave that out, but he is, he's quite, he's, he's quite entertaining <laughs> at times. I mean, He's really like you would imagine a friend would be. So when I the other one, when I was at uh, 10, I was in Myrtle Beach on vacation with my family and I got hung up with some guys playing volleyball. And I heard uh, angels start singing and the water started opening it in the middle. Uh, I couldn't get my breath and I could hear a choir of angels. It was beautiful. It was like layers of layers of angels. And I really thought my head, not again, I can't believe this. And then I woke up and the lifeguard was getting the water out. And then another one happened when I was 38 and uh, my medical doctor, I was having menstrual migraines said, well, take this pill. It's for menstrual migraines. Well, they didn't have Google internet access where you could go and just Google what this was. 
So I took it and I took it like, I think it was like three times. And I was like, I can't, I don't like this stuff by the, I think it was the third or fourth time. It wasn't a lot. I was supposed to take it in the evenings. I woke up like bells went off. I went boing and I woke straight up. I couldn't, I didn't have, I don't know why I didn't have, uh, I couldn't access my vocal cords. I don't know why I couldn't. And so, and I couldn't quite know how to wake my husband up. And I don't know why I couldn't, not because I wasn't aware of that. It wasn't working mentally. It was, I, I couldn't make that work. <laughs> and so I did get straight up and I went into the living room. How I, it was almost like I was, it, I felt like Frankenstein. Like I had assistance getting up. I don't know how I got up. And I, like rising from the, from the day, I really got up and then I went and turned on the TV thinking, well, I'll just, if I can follow this, whatever they're saying, then I'll be okay. And that's not what happened. <laughs> I started hearing this white noise sound. I was like, oh man. And then, uh, then I started feeling very fearful, which I know what comes after that is you don't care. You're very relaxed. Um, which is what happened. And then, uh, I didn't know I was male or female. I didn't know my name. I thought, well, this can't, <laughs> I remember thinking this can't be good. And then I started looking at my living room and it started breaking down into white lines. Now this is way before the matrix, the movie series and all that. And it was little white, everything was white lines. So they talk about the holographic universe, but my furniture was all in white lines. So um, next thing I know, I'm in the galaxy and I'm at the, the nebula and the Milky Way, which I really like. Apparently, other star-related family lives there, like the Palladians and the Arcturians and the Dramas. I don't know. I really like it there. But I remember hanging out there. And then I willed myself in my body because I could also think, and I was also observant in my body, but also there. And I just took one finger and I put myself in my leg to bring myself in my body. It took a while. I mean, this whole thing went on for a couple hours. I mean, till I finally was aware, but I'm very sensitive to stuff. That's all I can say. I was just very sensitive to whatever the heck they gave me. I stopped. I don't, I don't take things. I mean, I, I, I take aspirins and things like that, but when necessary, but I don't like to take things uh, if, if, if possible, you know, if possible, I just don't, because I don't know how it's going to react. So having that, um, I did not realize too many, many years later that, uh, at the Monroe Institute, there is a, there, they do levels, you know, some like near death experience. You can, you can help, you can see that you can kind of have that sort of feeling. They take you through this meditative, uh, hemi-sync, uh, and that you could, they have soul retrievals. One of them, another one is the white lines. I'm like, what? And you can see that. So our, universe is being held up through constructs that we agree to <laughs> which means we need to agree to a better universe that might be good one with a higher love vibration that's that's what i'm trying to bring to the planet and i know a lot of people like yourself are doing the same so um after so each time each time i had um these near-death experiences i also had many spiritually transformative experiences in between seeing ghosts, seeing demons as a kid, they were literally crawl. They were demons. They were not aliens. <laughs> Just going to make that clear. Uh, aliens can't walk backwards, upside down on the ceiling <laughs> and the walls. 
that are humanoid size with teeth all the way across like a shark with red eyes and a long tail. This happened repeatedly. It was horrifying. And then it especially happened, uh, I began to grab the, as I got older, the Bible and start reading it. And that would make it worse. That would really piss them off. And so um, it was just a different dimension I was looking at. That's all it was. You know, I was looking at, I could, there's different dimensions between earth to these higher realms. Now I was told there's 12 heavenly realms. Okay. I don't know if that's true. There's evidentially no way I can prove that if I can, I probably won't be seeing y'all again, but, um, but that's what I was told. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, but some people say seven, eight, I get, I've been told 12. So on earth, uh, and I was also told where people go like lost souls, they go to a place called the Merc and they're just in a kind of holding pattern, you know, because they have to decide to cross over and they have people trying to help them. But, you know, they're just sort of hanging out. It's not the lobby. It's the Merc. It's this kind of this nebulous area. It's kind of misty like a fog. <laughs> they just kind of hang out and really wouldn't want. That's a level. That's just a, another level. And there's the level that's closer to the demonic realm is earth. I mean, it sounds really bad. So my goal is like when I do prayers or when I do any kind of healing work or, or readings, I don't do any of this ascended chakra business. I go straight to my Christ crown chakras up there and I go straight to Christ and the heavenly and the angelic realms. And I bypass all this mess. I don't have anything but as a child and growing up as a teenager, I didn't know how to handle it. But I've had a lot of um, the Kundalini stuff, all these things in between. Um, I've had experiences being out of my body. I remember 14 looking in the mirror and I'm like, what's this all about? And I stared and stared and stared and stared and stared. And I popped out behind my head and saw the back of my head from a from a distance that was freaky that was what i was like and then i was freaked out and then i went oh that's cool i want to do it again <laughs> so i've uh, had a lot of these spiritual experiences Gosh. a lot with ghosts um you know and i feel sorry for them but i don't trust them because they also can be manipulators they can also unlike what people have told you they can't hurt you um, so I bring in, you know, the power of God in Christ. Angels say, no, uh, 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 I, I'll assist. You can tell Jesus about it, but you know, <laughs> but here are your boundaries. And I think that's a, what a lot of people and, um, this, the spiritual, how do I say it? The spiritual practitioners that, uh, is that are want to embark on that. It's always important to surround yourself with the highest, um, you know, God, the creator and our yeah. angels or, or Christ and depending what you believe in, but I just know he loves everybody and he's really good with, um, being protective to everyone. He's, he's a good resource, but, um, this has, this has changed me now to opening up so much. And then also the spiritually transformative experiences over the, um, <laughs> So at 38, you know, the one after the, the menstrual hip pill thing, I, I started doing, I started doing right a little before that I've done about 400 hours of past life. And most of it was not on this planet. And most of it was evidential, meaning I was seeing 
things, how they were built, how they were put together, how we used to start cars. I've spent a lot of past lives in France too. <laughs> a lot of past lives, a lot of past lives in England. Oh my gosh. Un incredible. Can I just quickly ask you about your near-death experiences? We have so much to cover. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just a couple of questions and, and thank you for sharing so openly and honestly. Sure. Just just backtracking when you were three, you mentioned uh, lost souls would come to you and you didn't know what to do and you spoke about the demonic realm. For those of the audience that may be experiencing some aspect of this, what is your advice? Uh, lost souls and the demonic. Okay. So first of all, I want to tell people um, there is an answer and don't freak out. <laughs> There's different ways. I'll just tell you my experience that I've seen how they can come in to give people. Okay. So first of all, it's just something that's out there, just like bad people, right? We don't go looking for that, but when it does, we kind of know what to do to stay away. You know, we know it, right? But a lot of people aren't taught what to do about this. What I find it can come sometimes, um, and I'm going to start the more innocent way. It can come if you buy a house, houses or furniture. So let me make... <laughs> Oh my goodness, we're going to go here, Louisa. But this is good information. And I really know a lot about this, okay? Um, firsthand, unfortunately. <laughs> because I've had people and clients and I'm like, okay, we'll deal with this over the years. So I've seen things, but I think it's made me, I wouldn't have believed half of this if I didn't see it for my own eyes and experience it. Um, number one, uh, furniture and antiques carry an energy. So um Let's think about it. If someone has a, a heirloom, a furniture, or like a wedding ring, that has charge. That is someone's energy vibration imprint in it. Sometimes when lost souls go on, we're very big. Our, well, gosh, I can't believe we're going, we're going to go deep with this. So when we're, we're here now, we're also on other planets and we're also in heaven. We're huge. So part of our soul's section off, we're not incomplete. We just can be a lot of places. Remember the whole Jesus can multitask and be different places. So can we. So the ring or the furniture, part of that essence, essence of that spirit can stay there. Well, what's so bad about that? Well, even in the friendliest way, do you really want a bunch of ghosts in your house? Number one, because energetically, if they, their presence is more known in this piece, it can suck the energy off of you. And now people, I have a, a, a whole lifetime of experience on this from other people that I've had to deal with these different things come up is, and even family, a family member, one of these things came up. I said, you got to stop buying the antiques. It comes up in readings. You got a civil war sword. You got a civil war dude. What, why do you have this? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, no, it's not good. Nobody needs a Civil War soldier hanging in their house. I mean, he's not evil, but it, it's your energy. It's your space. It needs to be your space. You don't need to share it with a Civil War ghost uh, who's trying to do a good job to protect you, but it's no longer required your services. Uh, and so even in the best way, that can suck off your energy. And I have people that live in homes that either are old and it's actually the home itself or the furniture, or it could just be the chandelier. I can go in and say, it's the chandelier only. It's the, it's that picture right there. Where'd you get that? In the Orient at a shop, I'm like, you got to get that out. <laughs> it's right there. Um, and I can, I go right to it. 
uh, and sometimes there's more than one. And so, and they'll play off the energy. So you, that's not good either. But it, in the very least, it can make people fatigued if they are around these haunted objects. Number two, if there are dark energies, so uh, we're going to go here. So if a, just like in life, so when someone uh, drops their body, they can still decide to go with God and Christ and the angel. They can still decide that. So people, you know, in the South, we're always in the USA, we're always trying to like get people to turn real quick and accept Jesus before they die. But honestly, they can accept God after they've, you know, drop their body. They have help. Angels are around. It's all good. They still have time, but there's some that refuse to. When ghosts refuse to, they usually go in clusters of other ghosts, and then that which, which is like a, a a ghost hive, that they're usually trapped by demons. People don't like to hear this. Is that like ghosts? They're demons. So when you see these haunted shows, and they may see the lady of the house, which may be benign and not nefarious in any way the lady of the house but then you have other go there there but then there's another thing that's evil well yeah that's that's not the ghost that's the demon so it can attach to things so um again the ghost alone can drain energetically us and the darker things literally want to rob our soul i used to never believe that but it's literally literally that <laughs> They literally want to, to, to aspect and drain that and take that. It's not nice, okay? Um, and so when people know that, that's good information because you always call in a higher power on that. And you, you uh, I mean, you have to be tough too. You have to say, no, I'm a child of the most high. Back off. Get, you know, you, you have to really uh, assert yourself and bring that in. Um, but people also bring it in through doing Ouija, um, I see that a lot. It's a lot because you're basically, it's like a 1-800 number. <laughs> you don't, you're opening the door and to realms that have been closed. Uh, spirit people that are loving, they don't need, they don't need a Ouija board to get a hold of you. They, they, they love you. They're around you. They're around by your heart. They, 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 when you think about them and you say, gosh, I love, I miss you so much. They're like, oh, you too. And they, they have permission from heaven to come check on you. And they're there too. And they're very busy in heaven. They're doing a lot of stuff. They got a lot of activities to do and they help people from there and they pray for us here. Um, but the, the demonic realm usually comes in through, and Jesus told me this, the seven deadly sins. So pride, okay, that's one of them, pride, uh, lust. And so I asked Jesus, how's that work? <laughs> I said, how's that work? And he goes, well, if you had envy of, of a brother, had envy of his brothers, of his wealth and his wife, he might kill him for the money. I went, oh, that's like a bunch of them at once you know, lust, you know, envy, greed, murder, you know, that's quite a few. So you're getting a demon with each one. It's real. Some of these are really complex. So people, um, open these doors. I think people are, some people are oppressed. And I think a lot of people that are Christian don't understand this, that you can be oppressed, um, by these darker spirits, but you have authority over that. So I think recognizing it and just, um, like, don't go down that dark road. If you know, right. there's a, the power, you know, just proof. don't do it. So does that answer 
Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, that was my dog. I'm just going to tell you flat out how, what I know to be true. The whole God's holy angels are so amazing. They're so badass. We are so protective, but guess what? We got to ask for their help. We got to ask Jesus, send your angels. Now I need you now. Did you feel that? I just felt that Jesus send your angels. Now do you just, I just felt, Ooh, I just, so it's high. that simple Ooh. for those. That, oh yes. Did you feel how it, high? It, I'm high. Yeah. You got to call them in. I got you goosebumps. Say- I've heard who, whoever's listening to this in the audience addictions. Is that there's some sort of attachment there, whatever, whatever it might be form shape. There's so many addictions that certainly aren't for our best and highest good. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And matter of fact, Jesus has a lot of grace for people with addictions because he knows that's how these lower level entities can try to get through. And whether it's, you know, alcohol, drugs, but what it basically does, even if you don't have addictions and I'm not against drinking. I like a a, a rose. I like rose or lavender martinis now and then. Okay. So I'm not against that, but you, you just, anyone has to know if they're spiritual, (laughs) that if you drink, uh, or especially if you're sad, like you're really sad for some reason, and then you drink, that is such an open doorway for these things because they're sneaky. They're real sneaky and they'll try to come in and say things like you suck, you're not worth it. You or whatever, or, or they'll, they'll hit your buttons. And they'll try to lower your defenses and they try to make you less. And they try anything they do is try to room to remove you away from God. So the answer is always to go to God and go to God, especially in your weakness, or especially if you feel awful, even if someone's an addict and you're using go to God, because that's your defense till you get the help because God's going to, let me tell you what Jesus knows all about this. Uh, I did a big presentation on the Essenes for Portal to Ascension, and I had gave this big thing, a big channeling thing at the end with Jesus, which was cool. But they knew about it, that the Essenes were the ones that were teachers of Jesus, supposedly, uh, which I believe to be true, but not all of them, but some of them, the big part of it. And they knew about addictions because that was how these things came in because th- they can't. They can't spiritually do it if you put the claim, I'm a child of the most high, you are not welcome here. Just like a vampire, you're not welcome here. And I do encourage everybody to bless their home, their own home. I'm not a proponent of blessing other people's home for two reasons. It's not your home. (laughs) Number two, if you do the blessing, when I do a home blessing, and I have a book for that, any, you know, that anybody wanted that i've got a free book but the thing is it's if you bless your home and sage i do holy water you can do sage it's fine but it won't last i do the holy water with it and there's you can do salt as well but to do that properly um you're going to get rid of the history anything on the history of the land anything in the house whether it be the furniture but guess what the people so if the people aren't clean in it and i've had where a house blessing so and so it didn't go well and it's the 13 year old daughter who's doing some weird game online that's demonic <laughs> and they need it they need a uh cleansing and so uh that's good news though right because you want to clean everybody you want everybody up to snuff everybody clean everybody good 
And so uh, anything can come up. So when that happens, that person, that family needs to believe in God and just kind of live a holy life. You know, you don't want to be perfect, but just, you know, really have respect for God and keep your house that way. And don't let people in that aren't that way because they can, they can mess up the vibe of your house if you have these low tone people in. And so I, I encourage people to do it to take responsibility for their own home and to put the authority of, you know, God and Christ over their house as a, as a protective covenant. And I pray every night before I go to bed that the angels, all the archangels are all that they go, that they're standing. I have them stationed around my house. I have Michael go through my house and do a clearing have, uh, angels all through the yard, the front and back and the sides, the top and the bottom of the house. I put a protective white light God bubble over the house and put a pink bubble over me and my husband. Tamara, gosh, what, I mean, what a lifetime you've signed up for. Um, where's the best place for people to find you and connect with you? Well, thank you for asking. Um, I do, um, you know, I have the Seeking Heaven channel on YouTube, which I'm going to be bringing you on. We're going to do a, uh, an, an interview. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so, if, you know, have them check that. I have a lot of free Christ channelings and that type of thing on there. Also, southernbellmedium.com where I do, uh, I do offer globally, I do this online, uh, evidential uh, psychic medium and life path. So I get into, you know, I work with Jesus. It's real sweet. And then I get into a lot of detail. A lot of your relatives want to chat things up. It's like a reunion. And so that is on Southern Bell Medium. And then I have a uh, Ascension School, and that is Academy of Divine Wisdom.com. Um, Academy of Divine Wisdom.com. And so I guess that can be, I don't know if you're going to put that below, but I do have a class coming up on March 3rd and it is called, um, it is how to, what is it? What is it? Superpower training that I'm going to be offering. And that would be, uh, for two hours, I'm going to be coaching you talking about all the spiritual arts. Cause a lot of people like me, they just develop this. What do I do with it? Who do I go that I can trust? And that, you know, that, I mean, I think they should know at this point who I work with. Jesus. Amazing. <laughs> he, keeps me, he keeps me straight on things. And let, he tells me everything is so great. Um, but I will actually link in. And like this last class, I told, I saw to, I would have care people up and there uh, would, that were wanting to be students. And then I would pair them up who wants to do this and that. Okay. And then I would observe and say, okay, go, go in closer to your heart. And then some people were using, I said, don't, you don't need that. Just use your heart, connect to them as a human being. And so I would help them through, cause I've had so much extensive training. Uh, I trained eight years in the British style of evidential mediumship with Tony Stockwell and evidential mediumship and trance, which I'm a physical and mental medium and a, a trance and conscious channel. And then I studied and certified through Lisa Williams, which I studied uh, extensively years with and also John Holland. So I've trained a lot as well as yeah. I've done a lot of my own. Um, but I'm you've a had in, a lot reader. of your own experiences. That That's for sure. And I also will leave a link in the show notes for anyone that missed Thank that. You. Or um, And March 3 happens to be my birthday. So that's a <laughs> lucky number. Yeah, 3-3. Three, three. 
Um, but thank you for having me today. Oh my gosh, it's a pleasure. So every, everyone that's listening, this is a two-part episode and who knows where the next part will go to, but I'd love, I really want to focus on channeling Jesus and have some powerful, incredible messages from him. And also you're a part of the Galactic Federation, so I can't wait to go there as well. I've just got one more question about your near-death experience that there's many stories that you shared. Did you... Uh, after you left the hospital, did you return to your sexually abusive stepfather or mother's boyfriend? Uh, unfortunately, yes, because I went back into that family. And so, um, but what I began to do is put my time into art and drawing. And I became very kind of quiet, even though that's not my innate personality, but that's what I did. And I was a bit gruff with him. So to try to keep him away, but that sexual abuse lasted till 12 years old. Gosh, I'm, I don't know what to say, except I'm so sorry. Well, it, it may be more compassionate. I mean, not that it, I would recommend that, but it, no. it did make me, if there was a benefit, more compassionate to those that have had gone through some kind of abuse. And I can, I can sense it and know it with people, even the most slick personalities and, that I've seen, you know, celebrity types, I can still tell, I still, I can spend yeah. just a few minutes and I'm like, mm -hmm. it's unfortunately quite common. And so I feel sorry for them. Anyone that would do that to a child has to be really disturbed mentally. Well, unimaginable. Yes. Well, thank yeah. you for sharing that. And I can't wait to speak to you for part two. Tamara, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest today. Yay. Thank you. I had so much fun. <laughs> Me too. Me too. My gosh. Can't wait to re-listen to it. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.